Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your full and podcast from down under, here today to discuss the 2-1 loss to Man City. A superb performance from Fulham, despite going down to the team that are most likely going to become champions this year. Unfortunately, though, the Wounded Cottage Warriors came out a little battle-weary after a very strong performance. But we saw Tim Ream and Andreas Pereira possibly have season-ending injuries, which is obviously incredibly disappointing. Here to discuss it all, we have Elton. How are we going? I'm very well, thanks. Good to be here and looking forward to the chat. And Sammy, how are you going? I have been congested, coughing, sniffling, and this was probably one of the highlights of my weekend, so I'm ready to get into the thick of it and press mute a couple of times to cough. I think uh, there's more than a few of us. If, you, if anyone who's been watching the live stream has seen me coughing my guts up after a couple of weeks' worth of COVID and long COVID, there's a lot of muting going on here. So uh, we'll push through anyway because, like you said, Sammy, it's, it is... Um, a game really worth talking about. And it's not often we come on this podcast and talk about a game so positively after a loss. But it has to be said, this, for me at least, is one of Fulham's performances of the season. Uh, coming up against a Man City side, we know how good they are. Obviously, we pushed them really well in the in the reverse fixture where we also lost 2-1. But, you know, Man City had 10 men in that game. It was a very, very different game. <clears throat> The fact that 11 on 11, Man City so much on the line, chasing down the title, needed all three points, and we really gave them a run for their money. Dad, I'll I'll pass to you first. Just your overall thoughts on that performance from Fulham and and how good you thought it was. Oh, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this game. And um, I know we we didn't watch it together, obviously, but we were all talking. And I think uh, it was... Very early on in the first half, where I was really, really all already into the fact that I can kind of see how this could be going, particularly having gone down so early, one one nil down so early. But it was thoroughly enjoyment in, enjoyable because we were so up for it, and we 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 wanted it, and we were, <clears throat> you know, very very keen to show our very best, and I think we did that. Oh, man, sport is about narratives. This game was riveting, like, from, like, the start to basically, like, the end. Like, this was end-to-end just just so much drama, just so much intrigue, so, like, just, oh, immaculate storytelling. It just, there was so much jeopardy going on. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm not sure how much jeopardy there was, but um, it it was definitely a game where we saw 
Fulham really push hard. And it's it's a different Fulham that we've seen in the Premier League for, for a very long time. A Fulham that, you know, you've got Kenny Tete going head-to-head with Grealish. You've got mm. Toast, Diop and Ream all over Haaland and, and really keeping, you know, the, the record goal scorer in, for all time in the Premier League for, for a single season at least, keeping him quiet for the afternoon. You know, it's not often that a team is able to basically shut Haaland out of the game. He had a handful of chances. Obviously, he got on the score sheet, but that was purely through a penalty. Um, and, you know, Leno made a couple of very good saves, but really for, for someone of the quality of Erling Haaland, he was kept incredibly quiet by a defence that was kind of thrown out after Tim Ream went off injured. The, the fact that we were able to put in such a good performance when we lost two players in Rima Pereira throughout the game just sort of elevates it for me a little bit more. It's it's we've seen some really good performances through the season. We saw us, you know, dominate Chelsea. Um, we've seen some just general great performances and great football from Fulham this year. But this one just felt a little bit different where we were really fighting hard and you could tell the guys were really up for it and they put everything on the line and they left nothing out there on the pitch. And it is a sign of how hard you fight when you do have a couple of players injured during the game because people were just putting bodies on the line. Pereira's challenge that, you know, we'll talk about his injury a little bit later, but the way he went in for that ball and, you know, that was just a guaranteed head clash. But he went for it and didn't pull out of a tackle and no one shirked any tackles on the on the day. Everyone went in full full steam ahead and, and hard, but also quite fair as well, I'd say. It wasn't a, a dirty performance by any means. It was just good, hard football. Dad, let's have a look at the, the game itself. And um, obviously, that penalty early doors from Haaland. Um, let's talk about that one. Your, your thoughts on the penalty. Firstly, was it a penalty? Look, I think um, I, th- I think it is, um, but I but I I do feel that um, Alvarez played it quite skillfully. Um, I think Reem committed fairly early and kind of couldn't pull out of it. Um, he didn't just throw a foot in there. I, I think mm-hmm. he was actually first to the ball, well, to to being near the ball. Um, and Alvarez, you know, at light speed, spotted the opportunity to keep his momentum moving forward, and you know, caused the uh, caused uh, drew the penalty, if you like. Um, so yeah, I think it was a penalty, but I think there was some <clears throat> brilliant positioning of of Alvarez Alvarez's body there. Mm. Yeah, it has to be said that Alvarez did very well to win the penalty there. It is a penalty. Tim Ream does make contact with him, and I, I think it's really hard to overturn that. It's quite a soft penalty, but at the end of the day, he does nick the ball away first. He does make contact with Tim Ream. There's not a huge amount of uh, of doubt in that one for me. I think that would get given a penalty 99 times out of 100, and people would be up in arms if that didn't get given on the day. Yeah. Sammy, um, you know, you you love Haaland as much as anyone. Uh, you think he's incredible. A good penalty? Oh, I mean, like, 
like when you say I love Haaland, like, really, who doesn't? Like, it's even okay. though he's Man City, I know it's like super contentious because, like, I know he's kind of like in the position where, of course, he's going to sc- score like every goal he can possibly have. But yeah, you know, who who doesn't love seeing like a monster just running around? Just like he's like he's like Jonah Lomu or something like that. He's just a freak. He just, like Dad said, it, like he just doesn't really look like a human being because he isn't one. Um, and by that, by that, of course, it was really like ridiculously strong penalty. He's just re- he's just a ridiculously good goal scorer, uh, and it's annoying as well because I feel that but didn't do anything wrong. Um, positioned absolutely fine, but yeah, it's just he's just he's just really good. He's just really really good. <laughs> I think it was. I think the, the 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 sense is. Again, nothing against Alvarez, but the very best strikers just mm. know how to do that. They know yeah. how to win penalties in those. And I'm not even going to call it gamesmanship. It's just part of the game. Uh, I think it's perfectly fair. He spotted the moment. He spotted the opportunity to carry on and push through there. And um, Tim Ream couldn't get his leg out of the way. Pretty Alvarez. unfortunate now. Alvarez is such a brilliant player. Like you, re- you really do forget like how good he actually is because he's just constantly in the shadow of Haaland. But in any other season, in any other team, he'd be standout starting every single week. Well, yeah, as they said, you know, it's he, he's one of those players who would start for any other Premier League team up front, and unfortunately, he sits behind what will probably go down as one of the Premier League's best ever strikers in Haaland. Mm-hmm. Um, his it, it'd be interesting to see how long he stays at Man City because. I think a player of that quality, someone who's you know won a World Cup, the fact that you're not starting every week when you're good enough to start every week would definitely drag down on you after a while. Uh, but I, sure. look, I totally agree. Great penalty by Haaland. Uh, Leno went the right way, but it was just too good. Side netting, always going away from Leno. Uh, disappointing to go 1-0 down so early. And, Dad, from that point on, did you sort of feel like this was going to be one of those games, you know, we look at, some of the games that have happened recently, Newcastle against Spurs, basically anyone against Spurs at the moment, going down after three minutes, 1-0 against a side you know could put seven or eight past you. Did it feel like it was going to be a rough afternoon? Look, uh, I have to say that I I thought <clears throat> I'd really look forward to <clears throat> the con- contest between our defence and City. I think it was... Line, lined up to be a really, really exciting challenge for our defence that's been operating pretty well. Um, and I think the key thing was how, how are they going to react going down so quickly? But but actually, I think they reacted incredibly well. They didn't fall apart. They didn't panic. Um, and and I, I, I never really thought that City were going to rout us. I always worried about whether we could score goals. Um, and just how how many inevitable brilliant goals there might be, but I never thought City were going to make our defence look stupid. I don't know about you guys as well, but like I thought, even following uh, City's pen, that we were looking really, really good and like just really, really strong. I thought Jao like was really just completely back to his old self. I thought particularly like our man marking and just how we were just like conducting ourselves around the pitch like mm. it didn't it didn't stress me out at all if anything it was just getting kind of like more and more kind of anxious as we were playing because it didn't really feel like 
it, it felt like very even. I mean, because like obviously City uh, had extreme class, and anytime we lost the ball, you could just see their quality. But outside of that, like, oh, it was a real game. We we absorbed we absorbed a very dramatic start. Yeah, very very yeah. well. Oh, I we'll mean, see. most that would blow most teams away. Their heads would be gone, mm. and that would just be the beginning of the end. And that Ugh. did not happen at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you would often see, you know, teams drop their heads after that amount of time. But I, I agree, Sammy. I think across the board, everyone was on. We've been talking in recent weeks about how Polina looks a little bit off the boil. Um, you know, Pereira didn't quite look himself over the last quite extended period of time. Um, let's talk about the lineup as well. The fact that we saw Vinicius come in when we were all certain that Dan James had come back in. Um, and I guess we can skip forward to his goal. Oh, Dad's face there when I mentioned Dan James as a certainty to come back in. Just a wince. Just a wince. <laughs> but let's let's talk about Vinicius's goal because I think it's uh, it was a special goal. And and I'm not putting it all down to Vinicius, who's been a bit of a whipping boy in recent months, basically. But the goal itself, it's it's a ball over the top. I think it's from Pereira. Um, Harry Wilson coming in off the it right Pereira. does incredibly well and he's so um, aware of, of the situation of the movement here. And, again, you have to take your hat off to Vinicius as well because uh, we, we saw a couple of times when Vinicius was playing with Mitro and they both make the same runs and Vinicius, his IQ on the field sometimes isn't quite there. But this was a moment where he saw what Wilson could potentially do and peeled off rather than following Wilson to the ball and also potentially challenging for it. Wilson cushions a perfect header down into his path and Vinicius does really well to control it in the first place. I think it comes off his thigh, but he doesn't let it go too far away from him and then lashes a shot into the back of the net and Edison stood absolutely no chance. Dad, um, your, your thoughts on that goal because... We haven't seen Vinicius score many this year. Obviously, we saw the goal against Chelsea, which was he did very well in the air, but Chelsea's defending was atrocious in that game. Um, and and we've we've whipped on Vinicius a fair bit this season as well. So how did you feel when you saw Vinicius put that one away? Well, firstly, I beautiful ball from Pereira. And it's actually quite surprising. I watched it a few times just to sort of try to get a, a, a little bit of context because you know it all happens very quickly and you see lots of replays of the actual goal itself but it's always interesting to see the build up and he, he's actually in a surprising amount of space which I'm sure Pep would be pretty dark on he, he's he's given a lot of space and he's got a lot of time to set himself and put in a really beautifully weighted ball and you're right um Vinny really makes the right move because he peels off Wilson is absolutely you know on on the script and he he does cushion a nice little header down but actually it's quite difficult for Vinny to handle because he's sort of it doesn't fall quite into his path it falls on his thigh and I thought pardon me I thought he was going to fluff it but the the beauty of the goal was that he actually struck it so quickly Mm. and he hit it he hit it absolutely beautifully uh, controlled it so beautifully, Ar- arguably a better shot than Wilson's one, um, you know, previously. 
yeah. Well, slightly, slightly difficult. Uh, he he was under a lot more pressure than Wilson was, if you want to compare and contrast those two. But um, yeah. I saw a comment on Twitter about Vinny saying, God, he's so frustrating because you know he can do it, but he doesn't do it often enough. And yet he's clearly got some very, very high-quality talents. Um, and I, I thought... As Jack commented on um, on Twitter, Jack's you know Vinny only scores um, against clubs owned by billionaires, mm. which is about right. But I, I think we've come to know that this guy is a very passionate, passionate member of this squad and very popular member of this squad. And I think everyone wants him to do so well. And I think these moments are literally career making for Vinny. Because he he's so pumped, so pumped. Did you see the celebration when he stood there and just screamed? It kind of you know mm -hmm. meant everything to him. Uh, so yeah, I couldn't couldn't have been happier for the guy. It's like he's ridiculous, right? Because okay. Jack, do you remember, yeah, you've seen Attack of the Clones, right? Star Wars, like the second one. You know when Yoda is just kind of like standing there and then all of a sudden you don't think anything of him. They just whips out a lightsaber and just starts jumping around like crazy. Vinicius just seems to do that. He's like completely quiet for like five games. And then when we completely write him off for a game against like Chelsea or Man City, he just pulls out this. It's like he's known as that player now. And I don't, I don't, like he fills me with so much excitement and so much like stress all at the same time. But, I don't know how I feel. But, but do, to be fair, like the goal was great, but that was beautiful. You know, he actually had a very good all-round game. Yeah, he, no, he, he did. did a he lot did of great. great things. You know, he held the held the player pretty well. He was just so physically up for it and mm. so so pumped. And I think you know, if 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 everyone's feeling pumped, Vinny Vinny's probably two levels above that because he's it looks like an excitable kind of a guy. But it's just like when Yoda's like walking around like hobbling all the time. It's like, why are you not just? Why are you not just jumping around all the time? Why do you save it for this? Anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely not accepting your uh, Yoda comparison. There. You don't have to accept it. I'm just putting it Yoda, out to the ether. Yoda is pure class all the time. He just can't be bothered. <laughs> I'm not sure Vinny is pure class all the time. Well, we don't know that because it seems and, to just only rock up for this. No, I'll, I'll give it to Vinny. He he always puts in an effort. His, his product just isn't isn't always there, but we saw him, and I don't know if it's to do with the system. Maybe we have actually changed the system we play in the last few weeks. Um, it, it didn't, it, it didn't work that well. Um, but you know, it it seemed to click against City, which is just exactly what you want. You want it to click when you're playing against the best team, potentially the best team in the world. And Vinny really fit into that system and, and really played his role well. And I was surprised when he got picked, uh, genuinely, because I thought, you know, we, we've we've seen it from Vinny this year and it hasn't worked. And I, I thought maybe this is this just felt like a a chance too many. I saw a few people say, you know, Vinny's been given more than enough opportunities by Silver throughout the season that when it comes to the end of the season and Fulham have to make a decision if they decide to let him go and not pursue a longer contract with Vinny. You, you definitely can't argue that he wasn't given a go, and you can't argue yeah. that he hasn't been given a chance. I, well, I don't know. If, 
circumstances have absolutely made a certainty of that. I mean, he, he's had early opportunities, and while Mitra's been out, he's been given, you know, decent opportunities together and alongside Dan James. And he hasn't taken all of them, but here we go again. You know, look look what he's done. Oh, for like, well, for you know, if you, yeah, yeah, no, Jack, you go. I, I was, Vinny's played 21 games for Fulham this season or, or made 21 appearances. He doesn't come off the bench that often, especially late in games. Like a lot of those games mm. he's actually started in. Um, it, it's kind of crazy to consider. It's 21 times he's come on to the pitch in the league and four of those in, in the cup. And I think he, he started in a lot of those cup games. But the fact of the matter is he's been given an opportunity. He hasn't really taken it. He scored a couple of very important goals for us. But uh, and look, it's a, it's a conversation to get in post-season uh, mm. about if is the, the long-term future of our, our striker backup. I don't think he is. And I think we definitely can say we've, we've given him enough of a chance. To, to make his make his mark on the club and it just hasn't worked out and he's he's obviously got talent we've seen that in the goals that he scored because he scored some belters um you know the two goals that he scored are, are going to be incredibly memorable in Fulham, in Fulham fans thoughts for for a long time to come especially the fact that he was the one who, who scored the winning goal against Chelsea he's he's scored against one of the best teams in the world like you know he he can do it but I don't think he suits Fulham unfortunately. But, you know, hats off to the bloke for just continuing to fight and continuing to push. And he always has a really good attitude as well. And I have to give it to him, the fact that even when he's not playing, he's up and around the squad. He's really good mates with a lot of the guys there. You know, they're, he's, he's a good person to have around the change room, I'm pretty sure. So I, I think that's, you know, that's enough for me. Um, let's talk about Alvarez's goal uh, before we, we talk about the second half and a few flashpoints. Sammy, I'll throw it to you because you like to embellish things, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was a pretty special goal. Oh, no, that was just beautiful goal. So, no, like, uh, you know, with goals like that, it's really hard to I, – I, I can't really, like, talk about it too much just because it just kind of nullified all the good work that was happening with just kind of a moment of class – that can only come from a truly special player, which I actually believe Alvarez is. Again, we spoke before about him just not getting um, the shine that he needs. But just it's just beautiful, a really beautiful goal. Um, I almost don't want to give him the full credit for it because it's a city, uh, it's a city player, and this is a Fulham podcast. But excellent goal. I think. Bert Leonard does everything that he needs to. He's got like five players on him. So I can't say it's not like we weren't doing anything and just like allowing him to have space. He creates space out of nothing and just pulls that. So it's partly frustrating. But if you're, I mean, if you're a fan of the game, then it's a beautiful goal. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll just chip in there quickly. Sorry. Yeah, go, go, Jack potentially we could have done better to stop him getting the shot away there. Like you say, there are five men around him. We put in a couple of kind of weak tackles and don't really just put the boot through and get rid of the ball and and tackle him. He takes a pot shot and it's a perfect pot. I remember looking at it first time and thinking, Oh, is Leno a little bit too far off his line? But when you see a couple of the replays, I think even if Leno's 
in the goal mouth, he's probably not saving that because it really just sneaking under the crossbar in the top corner. And he hits it well. He hits it fast. Like there's not much you can do about that. Dad, mm. your your thoughts on the goal? And is there a chance that we could have dealt with that better? Well, I go back even a couple of steps, not phases, but a couple of steps further. And it begins with Tosin, who um, it, it picks a fairly ambitious pass and he plays it up to Wilson, who is kind of under a lot of pressure and loses the ball, gets bundled off. There's some contention as to whether it was a free kick or not, but I think Wilson got bundled off at it a little bit too easily. And from there, they get the ball, pass it into midfield. Pereira has a first go. Sorry, not Pereira. Uh, uh, Joao Polina has no, a f- no. first go at actually tackling him, and he kind of overruns it and then dives in. Not dives in, I shouldn't say that. He then has a second go at trying to take the ball off Alvarez and can't get it away from him. Alvarez does really, really well to actually make something or create some space um, under a lot of pressure. So it's incredible skill to just create the space when he's got Polina having tackled him twice. So fair dues to the guy. Um, I mean, we don't need to go on about the shot itself because that was very, very, very top top draw. Um, but, yeah, look, I think it's sort of um, on any other day, Polina probably does a bit better, uh, better there and takes the ball off him um, or at least holds up play. He might have caused a free kick with one of his very intense challenges. But uh, he, he, Bellini got brushed off twice before Alvarez found a moment, you know, and like all great players, um, the, the world seems to stop and go in sort of slow-mo as they're teeing the ball up uh, with one look into top bins and slotting it away. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a superb goal, and you can take nothing away from that. And mm. you, you kind of have to take your tip your hat to it when when you concede goals like that, and just go, you know, that's the quality of the team that we're playing against. What can you do? Um, mm. and, and look, that was two one at that point. Going into half time, I think it, it felt pretty confident. You could see Pep was giving a, a team talk to the Man City players before they came out of the cottage, and I think they they didn't realize quite the fight they were going to be up against when they played Fulham. You look at the team, no Mitro, no Willian. Um, it, it does make a big, big difference. And, and we went into that second half and there's a few flash points to talk about in that second half. So Sammy, you got your hand up for some reason. Go on. Yeah, I do. Cause I, we haven't talked about, um, Japolini's two footed slide tackle in the box. That was absolutely perfect. And I just want that to get the spotlight it deserves because he is a nutter doing that. And it coming off perfectly. I'm not sure if you guys. I don't think it was two footed. It was a. It was a very solid challenge. It was. A, it was slide tackle more in of the box. A, That's risky, man. No, it was more of a block, if anything, because he was blocking a cross going in, and somehow, as he always seems to do when he makes these tackles, he manages to keep the ball like attached to his body when he makes a slide tackle, mm-hmm. and all he has to do is get back up again and, and just wander the ball out of the box. Oh, he, he's. he's I mean, we just know he's such a superb tackler. Um, and it's a real skill to be able to actually tackle and and win the ball comfortably and keep possession of the ball as well. And he's he's one of the best at doing it. 
Um, but the, but the level of urgency, urgency yesterday, utterly stood up, didn't they? The level of urgency was ridiculous. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, second half, guys. A uh, few talking points, as I said. Um, firstly, just to mention Bernd Leno, the fact that he made a number of really important saves first and second half. Um, probably for me, man of the match. Uh, I think he kept us in it with uh, a really good save from Grealish that he tipped onto the post. Another really sharp save off Alvarez in the second half uh, where he gets down low. Some talking points, though, that were maybe a little bit more controversial, and um, I'll throw to both of you on this. A couple of penalty appeals for Fulham in the second half. Uh, first one, Vinicius. Uh, he There's a bit of a defensive mix-up. The ball sort of falls to him just on the edge of the box. Edison gets down, and there's a bit of a flurry of arms and feet manages to get his hand on the ball and knocks it away from Vinicius. Sammy, for you, is there a penalty there? I At the time, I really wanted it to be. I really wanted it to be, and I was convinced that it was. But upon like rewatching the replay, it looks pretty legitimate. Like um, because like the whole time, Edison is actually just touching the ball. And like he's not really actually touching Vinicius. If anything, the ball is very wedged between both of them. And I think Vinicius actually trips over the ball that um Edison's like holding up and just flicking out with yeah. his I think I think yeah. Edison actually he did very, very well there because it looks so clearly like a pen from the outside play. I thought the ref did a really good job all game, actually. Um, but yeah, that was that's yeah. Um, that- but Dad, Dad, I, I assume. Well, we were talking at the time, and at first glance, it definitely looked like a penalty. But well, um, the, the camera angle was makes the camera was very, very zoomed out. It was a really long shot, um, and all you see is is Edison's hand going down, and and Vinicius going over. So the immediate assumption is that he's tripped him. But that's not what happens at all. Edison somehow brilliantly almost has like a bionic arm that just seems to keep extending further and further and you're thinking he can't possibly reach the ball and he does just that grabs the ball pulls it back in towards Vinny's feet and Vinny trips over the ball um which is obviously not a uh, yeah, he, he trips over the arm but the fact that um Edison has his hand on the ball when Vinicius trips sure. over the arm no mm. penalty straight away um dad I'll throw it to you on the second one though which is possibly a little more controversial um, towards the very end of the game. Uh, ball comes over the top, Deckard over Reed challenging with Kyle Walker. Uh, I, I won't put words in your mouth. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I've, I've actually reconsidered because we talked about this when it happened. We, we looked at the replay, we chatted about it and we both agreed because from one camera angle, um, Bobby's got, um, he's got him in a headlock, right? And so it looks extremely bad, like Bobby's actually pulling him down. If you look at another camera angle, um, they're both obviously quite physically connected as they're going in to try and get the ball. But I, I actually think he's being, Bobby's being pulled to the ground. I actually think he's being pulled to the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that that's a, Big shout for a penalty. I think, I, 
Uh, so it's hard because like Bobby very clearly goes in in like a hugging sort of way, which I think actually then gives like Walker agency to then be able to like pull him down because Bobby's made the first bit of contact. So I don't really know what like the rules are from like that kind of point onwards. Um, yeah, yeah, difficult. I I think with this one for for me it's it's not a penalty. I agree though, Dad. If you look at different camera angles, it tells different stories every time you look at it. Uh, the mm. big thing, Bobby's got his arm over um, over Walker's shoulder initially. Mm. Walker then kind of instinctively, if someone's got their arm around you, you're not going to not put your arm around them. Um, I actually think it almost looks like Walker puts his arms around him and pushes him off. Uh, I, I just don't think it's it's a penalty. I, I think it's, it's one of those 50-50 where... They've both got their arms around each other. They both sort of go to ground. They're both pulling on each other. I actually think it's initiated by Bobby. So if anything, it's probably a foul against Bobby mm. rather than a penalty. But some interesting comments I've seen on Twitter, and I kind of unfortunately have to agree with them. If that was Haaland in the Fulham box and Tosin with yep. his arms around Haaland, it's yep. probably going to be a penalty to Man City. Mm. Or at least yep. very closely looked at by VAR and VAR say to the ref, you should probably check this on the TV, which means it'll be a penalty. Um, uh, you know, that, that's not what happened. Uh, and we, we're guessing at that point. And I, d I don't want to be the person who's constantly saying refs are corrupt and all that. But I, I think we, we can all agree that if it was a, a Man City penalty and it's one all and it's the last minute and Man City need a win to stay in the title race. I wouldn't be surprised if that goes to VAR and the FA are basically, not the FA, but the referees are basically doing everything they can to get the right result out there. Um, I, I think they call it unconscious bias, Jack. I think that's the mm -hmm. uh, politi politically correct uh, term to use. problem is I think there's a lot of conscious bias there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but look, that was, that was one of the flashpoints and, you know, they they were good chances for Fulham to get back in the game. Unfortunately, it didn't quite fall our way, but I'm I'm not too salty about either of those decisions. The other big talking point, so from the second half, the two major injuries that were suffered by Fulham players: Tim Ream going down with uh, a suspected broken arm. Uh, there's reports that he was seen leaving hospital with a cast from just above the elbow down for the rest of his arm, uh, which probably indicates either a broken wrist or more likely a broken forearm. Um, and then Andreas Pereira, really tough to see exactly what's happened there. It could be an ACL injury. It could be a broken leg. It could be anything. It's really could be an tough. Ankle. Could be a broken could be an ankle. ankle. Um, but Pereira, when he goes up for that challenge, he, he bit of a clash of heads with, I think it was a Kanji who went up for the challenge as well. Uh, and unfortunately, when he falls, his leg sort of gets trapped underneath him and, sandwiched in a very very awkward way underneath him and yeah there's there's he's in a lot of pain straight away and I, I messaged messaged the group as well when we were watching the game because I saw we see it in AFL a fair bit because AFL is such a physical game and you see these kind of injuries fairly regularly but when players go to ground and they instantly spring back up and grab at something you know they're in a bit of trouble uh mm -hmm. it's not a a usual footballer's reaction where you lie on the ground and you're holding a random part of your body and screaming in pain. It's that real shock moment where 
you go, oh shit, something bad has happened, and you sit up and you grab at something. You mean a, then... you mean a genuine injury? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not not just a genuine injury, a genuine serious injury where you spring back up. Yeah. And then you lie down on the floor and you're basically just trying to stay calm as much as possible because something really bad has happened and you know you need to lay still, basically. It's when players yeah. actually it? <clears throat> just lay still on the floor. That's when you're worried. What, what, what's interesting about that, because I, I initially commented on how you, you knew that the ball was sort of knocked free of our box and Pereira had to go for it. He had to go for it to try and clear the ball. It's a very, very gutsy, gutsy. Very um, really, and, and I actually originally thought how well he did because I thought he got his head out of the way, and perhaps he did, but that didn't prevent him from falling in a way that's obviously, uh, you know, caught, resulted in a terrible injury. Yeah, but I, th I think he got I, some probably, I mean, probably. I'd probably take a broken ankle rather than a serious head injury, frankly. Yeah, I, I think he caught some contact because the way he fell just looked out of control. You know when you're, mm. you're, real, you're in the air and you get, you get hit yeah. and it just turns underneath kind of you. And dead, like a dead fall, like a limp And fall. he was basically, he's throwing his leg out to try and find the floor. And unfortunately, his body just kept going. And yeah, it, it, it looked really nasty. And, you know... Um, Sending sending thoughts out to those guys because those look like two fairly serious injuries, and we're hoping that you know they're obviously both of them going to be out for the rest of the season, almost guaranteed. Uh, mm. I think it's already come out and said Reem won't play a part for the rest of the season, but more so, I think you know the start of next season is now only three three months away, three or four months away, um, three months away, yeah, because it's the first of May now, so. Geez, oh, a broken ankle, three months. It's going to be a real struggle for Pereira to be back for the start of the season. I, I wouldn't expect we'll see him until October time, maybe, um, with an injury like that. I think you're, you're looking at some serious time out. I'd say we'll see Tim Ream before that. He'll probably play with a cast on, similar to how Polina's played. I think I saw Bobby Reed had a bit of a cast on his arm as well. Yes. Yeah, um, but yeah, some, some really. I won't call it disappointing because it's not disappointing when someone gets injured. It's it's, it's kind of heartbreaking, really. A lucky mm. heartbreaking is the right word for it because it's these guys. Tim Ream. I mean, it's been his best ever season in a Fulham shirt, hands down. He's been a revelation, and I think most times, if you didn't have players like Leno or Polina in your squad, you'd be looking at Tim Ream and calling him Player of the Season easily. Um, and Pereira has had a breakout season as well. He, you know, was never really respected as a Man United player, went to Brazil to try and find his mojo. He's come back to the Premier League and early season, it was only Kevin De Bruyne creating more chances than, than Pereira for, for the whole of the Premier League. And, and he's been a little bit off recently, but even then he's still performing so highly. And it's such a shame that he's had his season cut short and, you know, he's got a long road ahead of him to, to recover and get back into the squad. So, Wishing the best to to both of those players as they uh, have a, a long recovery period ahead of them, and we hope they come back even stronger. Um, and look, guys, I think that pretty much wraps up the game. We've got a fair bit to still get through. I'll go to uh, a couple of the comments coming through on the live stream, though. Dad, you wanted to say something before we keep going? Yeah can we can we talk about the tastiest of tasty um, matchups between Kenny Tete and Grealish? Yeah, well, we were going to oh. the tweets, but oh, we 
about it now as well. Yeah, well, because I think I think it's it's important because not only was that incredibly entertaining, and what what better a man from in a Fulham shirt to take on the cheeky boy that is Grealish? Oh yeah, and and he frustrated him. I mean, Grealish um, had a pretty good first half. He was out on his own, and Kenny was being drawn in to, you know, just to cover running men. It was really difficult for him, and then. You know, Walker was switching play across to to, to brilliantly to, to find Grealish, and he had a lot of the ball. But there was a little moment where they had a massive scuffle, and Grealish pops up, and I'm saying Grealish punches Kenny Tete in the chest. Mm. Yeah, little little <clears throat> bit. Of, it's not a punch; it's a push. But even then, I'd say if Tete uh, went down, you get in a lot more trouble than he actually got in. He got a yellow card mm. for it, but but. but, but uh, I'm, I'm saying, is lucky I'm full saying if, if Kenny Tete does that to Grealish, well, I, well, I, 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 I don't agree with that. I, think, I actually do with that. I, I um, think more than yep. anything, it's it's just the fact that um, Tete stood, stayed on his feet. Mm. If if Tete hit the floor there, then it's probably gets looked at by VAR and and goes further. But the referee actually handled the situation pretty well. Pulled them both aside instantly and just said, "No more." One thing I love about their competition as well is, um, I'm pretty sure, um, I'm sure there'll be a statistic on this, but I'm pretty sure both Grealish and Kenny Tete are the players that have forced the two most yellow cards out of like players. So to see them together and then both get a yellow card, I think that's just perfect. That's poetry. Possible. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a genuine stat or not, but it, uh, Tete's definitely had. The most red cards, I think, against him of any player in the Premier League this season. I think um, it wouldn't surprise me if Grealish has picked up the most yellows against him as well. So, um, yeah, it was it was a really good fight between those two players, and um, you know, Tete had a had a really good game, and I think he really enjoyed the challenge of Grealish, and he really enjoys playing against someone who he can wind up a bit because he puts in strong challenges that are hmm. strong, but most of the time, most of the time. Um, and that winds up players like Grealish who are used to getting um, a lot of decisions going their way. And I, I, I yeah, really enjoyed the matchup between them. Um, so like I said, guys, there's heaps to get through still, so let's keep it moving. What I will do is just throw to some of the comments that have come in on our live stream so far. Um, Steve Reynolds, uh, a comment here, shout out to Jim and Pete from Mitch and Perth. Met them on the FFC tour. We know Steve's over from Spain at the moment uh, and uh, told us that he went went on a tour of the cottage as well. I'm sure that was a really great experience and great to meet some other fans as well. Uh, Black, White and Fred here. As much as Pereira's injury was terrible to see, Kenny coming on completely changed the game. I agree with that. Kenny had Ooh, a really too, good, yep. uh, good impact on the game and I think we'll probably see him take that position from Pereira uh, now that Pereira's been injured, uh, I think Kenny probably proved himself uh, during that little cameo period, and we, we're likely to see him start going forward. Uh, another one here from Black, White and Fred. BDR had a lot more contact than Kevin De Bruyne did at the Etihad. Yeah. Uh, would have to agree with that. Uh, still believe it was a bit 50-50, so De Bruyne's was 100% a dive, but I'm not sure if we can give a penalty for that one. Another one here from Steve Reynolds. Respect to both City players who applauded Andreas off, but also to the fans who joined the one-minute applause for a Fulham fan who died. Uh, that was uh, Lisa Hughes, mm. who passed away. 
minutes applause in the 46th minute. Really good to see uh, everyone in the ground, but also the City mm-hmm. fans uh, respecting that and and clapping through that period. So uh, I agree with that. Well, uh, also there was a couple of City players, I can't remember the, who they were, warming up on the sidelines clapping, which is pretty classy as well. Mm, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. It was really well... Uh, well done, and well done to the club as well. I know the club comes under a fair bit of scrutiny and has done recently, especially around ticket prices, but the fact that they pre-game tweeted that out and made sure that it actually went ahead and put something on the screen during the game as well shows how um, how loved Lisa was uh, in the Fulham community and how, how respected she was as a fan, and it's great to see the club actually acknowledging that. Um, have a look at the table very, very quickly. Fulham stay in 10th place, five points adrift of Brentford, as a five-point gap between us and Chelsea, and I believe Bournemouth are now level on points with Chelsea, or one point behind Chelsea on 40 points. Fulham sitting in a weird little spot here, five points behind Brentford, five points ahead of Chelsea. Game in hand over Brentford, of course, that game's against Liverpool, who are in scintillating form at the moment and pushing themselves up the table and have stolen that spot in fifth off Tottenham. Tottenham, who are struggling massively and currently in a bit of free fall, I wouldn't be that surprised to see Tottenham sitting in eighth place in the next couple of weeks as Brighton pick up their games in hand and Villa probably continue to pick up results. Um, let's have a look at some of the questions that have come in to the podcast. Uh, first one here from at Fulham Rod on Twitter. Sammy, I'll throw to you first. What else have we got to do to turn one of these plucky performances against the top guys into a win get a better striker um no uh oh god (laughs) well the way that we rocked up to city if we rock up against liverpool that's a really interesting contest for me because i think yeah liverpool's form is starting to get more and more impressive but i mean tottenham scored four goals on them pretty recently like, I feel um, their defense is definitely penetrable. Uh, our defense is really, really strong at the moment. I mean, like, we didn't, like, there's no two ways about it. We didn't nullify City for basically an entire game, aside from Alvarez and a pen. Uh, um, it's a, it's, there's a really interesting contest. Um, I really, for me, it's just about goal scoring. And obviously, we have goal scorers in our side, but. Uh, it, it it's my favorite thing about Fulham at the moment, our unpredictability and our assertiveness in these top six games. But yeah, I I I am not I am not the expert to solve the riddle that is how can we make these games a bit more consistent. I don't know. It's worrying how much you say you're not the expert, Sammy. I want you to be the expert. I am not an expert. I am raw sexual appeal on this podcast. That's what I come and that's what I give. Cancelled. Dad, your thoughts on that? I I do agree with Sammy, though. I think, um, uh, uh, well... Raw sexual appeal. No, not that part. Hard to say that, that we require a striker. I think in the instance against Man City, maybe another striker would potentially get us over the line. But when we've had Mitro, who's a proven striker up front, uh, for me, I feel like it's it's just a bit of bad luck. And, you know, next season, if we continue to play the way we're playing, we can surely pick up some some of results against these bigger teams. And also, does it really matter? Do we need to beat those big teams to finish seventh every season? Well, no, I think you could probably happily, you know, 
finish seventh to tenth and never get any points off the top four or maybe six teams. But it, it's a shame, actually. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of misfortune in how badly we've done results-wise against those top four or six teams. We Even when we had pretty good games, we still couldn't get anything out of it, you know. And so to answer Rodders' question, what have we got to do? I think in the end what you're up against what what you're up against is incredible individual brilliance uh in 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 some of those top four top six squads and it only takes a moment you switch off for a second or you don't even have to switch off they create an opportunity which is unstoppable unplayable um and so you're always going to have that kind of dynamic against a very, very good side. And, you know, we, we've done really well because we have toiled and we've been consistent and we've probably been playing above, not our XG, but above our potential and our true capability and we've overachieved. And you can only do that for so long and you will probably get shown up by the, by the better clubs. Uh, one word answer for both of you. Would you happily lose every game against those big teams, Liverpool, Man U, Arsenal, City, even Newcastle, Tottenham, for not losing to Chelsea and potentially, let's say, for one win against Chelsea every season? Oh, one win against Chelsea every season? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm not that obsessed. Um, I mean, I think one word. if you rephrase, yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh, dif- finding difficulty with that, Jack. Um, <sighs> no, yeah, fair answer. Uh, I'd say also no. Okay, uh, I, I think I, I think it's uh, yeah. Uh, those those teams don't mean quite as much to me. I, I it doesn't. I don't care where we get points from as long as we stay in the Premier League and, and win games. Um, another question here, Dad. I'll throw to you first from uh, at lcraven86 Lawrence Craven on Twitter. Reports are Reem has a broken arm and Pereira has a broken ankle, so there are some quite big gaps to fill there. Is it time now, with our relative safety, to blood our younger squad members? Uh, let's talk about. Well, I think we can basically say with Reem, we're going to see Tosin and Diop start every game. I, I doubt we're going to see a young centre back come in for the rest of the season. But I don't, I don't think it's necessary, right? We, we, true. We, yeah, that's and and also shout out to those guys in how well they adapted to losing Reem in a in a very big game. Diop Diop was fantastic. Honestly, so good. you know he he adjusted so quickly in the heat of the moment. He was incredible, yeah. and he and Tosin were brilliant. So uh, I, I think maybe maybe someone's got to come through, Jack. Well, but then again, you've got you've got Duffy. Um, as a as a backup, but why wouldn't you introduce someone else, one of the kids? Uh, I think we're going to have know, into the squad at least, um, because we don't have Kazawa yep. to the bench spot. We've got Cedric and Duffy as the only defensive options. I, th- I think you have to have another one sitting on the bench, so we will see someone come through. Um. But, Dad, I guess in terms of Pereira's injury, we saw Kearney fill the gap, obviously. 
But the big question here, and I think it's mentioned in one of the tweets we'll talk about later, does this open the door for Luke Harris? Or, and more, more importantly, should it open the door for Luke Harris? I think yes and yes. And um, I, I think, I think um, I, I'm pretty sure I picked up on a little um, thing that Silver said in one of his press conferences. I'm sure he suggested something of that nature, that it was going to be time to be seeing other players. I'm sure he mentioned. I'm sure he said something about um, it's time for other players to be given opportunity and shine. Well, maybe that doesn't mean under 21s, but um, I, I think I think we do need to see Luke Harris given a go for sure. I think I, I, I believe I believe Kenny will start the next game, but Kenny. <laughs> Um, uh, I, for me, for me at least, uh, Luke Harris is a substitute option, but as long as we have Sasa Lukic, I want to see Sasa Lukic start. Or even Kenny. Well, Lukic fits that role quite, mm. I think, deeper, and I don't think you'd push Reed. I mean, we've seen Reed actually play a little higher up. It, I don't think it worked that well, but we've seen him slot into that spot before, so maybe it is that Lukic comes in deep and... Him and Reed basically rotate through the game as to who sits higher up. Um, but I, look, I I agree. I'd like to see some youth come in at this point. I think we we kind of again, and it's similar to how we saw Vinicius and Dan James get their opportunities. We're forced into a change, and I think Silver to actually make a decision sometimes needs to have his hand forced a little bit. And this is an opportunity for someone like Luke Harris, who's been performing so well, to get his opportunity. Um, I agree, Jack. Final question here before we move on to some of the top tweets. This is from uh, at Jack Stanley eighty six. We had uh, Jack on the on the podcast, and I went on the Newcastle podcast early this season as well. Uh, Jack says, "Can you do Newcastle a favour and take points off Liverpool this week?" That's my question. Sammy, hmm. I'll throw it to you. Is there a possibility that we take points off Liverpool this week, considering we're going to have no Mitro, no Willian, no Reem, no Pereira? I mean, stranger things have genuinely happened. So, like, I don't... Of, of course there's a possibility. There's always a possibility. Um, I think um, in moment, Like, lose, losing Ream is one thing. R- losing Pereira and Ream in the same game is another thing entirely. But we never dropped our heads. We played to our strengths. And we didn't come away with the result that we wanted. But we still played excellently and I don't see why there isn't a reason why we can't take points off Liverpool or even just take them to a draw. I don't I don't th- I don't think they are fully um impenetrable. Okay. Ooh this is like a World War One battalion that's just been smashed, you know. Um we are we are very depleted. And I think we can. I want to be optimistic, but gee, um, we're depleted in really key positions. It's not like Tom Kenny can't stand in for Pereira because I don't think Lukic is ever going to play that position. Um, and it's not like Issa Diop can't replace Ream because he absolutely can and will, and he did uh, yesterday. But still, there's there's just a gouging of depth, and. Um, <clears throat> We will have to be remarkable 
to, you know, prevail over Liverpool. I hope we do. Uh, again, I'm not worried about our defence, but how we actually control and create things in the midfield and how we score goals um, is not exactly a slam dunk right now. One thing I will say is going into the game against Man City, Arsenal fans would have been saying the same thing with Fulham and we'd be saying, oh, well, we don't have Willian, we don't have Mitro, so uh, it's probably not going to happen. But we saw how well, effectively, the rest of our squad managed to actually pull together and get almost a result out of this game. And I think a draw would have been a very fair result for the performance that Fulham put in. So, look, I, mm. I think it's going to be a tough game against Liverpool with the fact that we're basically missing four first-team players. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. But like Sam said, stranger things have happened and I'll back yeah. us to put in a performance. Um, I just hope we do, you know. Yeah, do so. Let's move on to the top tweets. So we've got a fair few to get through, so let's let's rattle through some of these. Uh, first one here, Dad, from at John Curtin FFC on Twitter. Uh, don't mind losing to a team like City when the team put a shift in like that. A draw would have been a fair result, I think, but still, decent game and performance. Kearney was exceptional. Gutted for Reem and AP, obviously uh, Andreas Pereira. Yep, here, here. Couldn't agree more. I mean, that could be the podcast summary up until this point. <laughs> yep, I was going to say, like, pretty much steal that for uh, for the write up. It's done nicely <laughs> with within 140 characters. Uh, next <laughs> one here at Sammy Shubar on Twitter. Tete massively underrated. Another absolute storm against Champions League level opposition. Easily one of our players of the season. And, you know, I feel sorry for Kenny Tete that he isn't getting the sort of international recognition. The Dutch seem to just be ignoring him for whatever cra crazy reason. And there's a part of me that wishes he got that and deserves, because he deserves that. But I don't mind him being underrated because it uh, keeps him under the radar. Totally. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He's massively underrated at the moment. I think, you know, people cream their pants over Alexander-Arnold and Trippier and talk about how great these guys are because they get a handful of assists through the, through the season. But the fact of the matter is the defender's there to defend and Tete is just one of the best defenders one-on-one -on -one that I've seen. He, he manages to always time his tackles really well and... You know, we saw it. He had Haaland on him a couple of times and just didn't let him get past. Had Grealish on him, who's in really, really good form at the moment and is is known as someone who one-on-one -on -one takes players on and beats them. And he, he didn't let Grealish... I don't, I don't think Grealish got over him once through the game. There were a couple of times he was found free wide, but I think that was actually not Tete's fault. It's more the system that he was being asked to play. Um I agree. Tete is, is massively underrated, and we're, we're lucky to have someone of that quality playing for us. Uh, next one from Alex underscore Harris, 1991 on Twitter. Superb performance from the boys. Went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best team in the world and deserved at least a point. A nice cameo from Tom Kearney as well. Yeah, look, um, there were a lot of um, tweets of, of, of this sort of theme and obviously, we totally agree with that. Um, I don't think there's any question that Man, Man City are, if not the best team in the world, arguably the best team. 
So, uh, yeah. And I think it's worth making the point again about how good a performance Candy put in. He, he's been really good off the bench for us throughout the season, but he came on in, in a pretty tough game uh, at a tough point when it was pretty feisty and he settled super quickly into it, especially off the back of a bad injury like that. It, it can be quite hard to find your feet in a game, but he, he did really, really well. And I think, like I said, I think that performance has probably locked down that spot for him going forward. And, um, and the other thing, Jack, the other thing about Kenny is that often we will, in comparing Kenny to another player who is going to be considered to start a match, we'll often think about Kenny as being this creative player who's not as strong defensively, doesn't go and get the ball, and he came straight on the field and did exactly that. A number of times yeah. he actually won the ball back, very uncanny-like. He won the ball back, and he was he was obviously very caught up in the moment on the bench, and he felt it and actually hit the ground running, and he was absolutely on it from the get-go. Yeah, I agree with that. Next one here from uh, our good friends at Fulamato. Yeah, no points, but lots of pride. Big exclamation mark. And a, for, the, for those uh, not following uh, live, there's a picture of Vinny in his uh, trademark celebration stance. It's actually Mbappe's trademark, which he's, no, he's no, no. co-opted. It, no, 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 Sammy. It's Vinny's. Um, <laughs> 100% agree. It was, it was the main point I was trying to get across post-game in some of the tweets from the That's So Craven account was just how, how proud I was of the performance from the players and I think how proud everyone was. The one point I was going to make before we actually went into the tweet, but I, I totally forgot to, was how positive Twitter was post-game. Mm. Uh, you know, you go, you go in, even when we've seen victories, we've seen some negativity floating around. I don't think I saw one negative tweet about Fulham's performance. Saw a few negative tweets about the ref's performance and saw a few negative tweets about Man City. But everyone was was so proud of the performance Fulham put in against Man City, and it was it was just a really nice place. I, I wanted to stay up all night just flicking through Twitter because <laughs> there was so many people just beaming and happy. And you don't see that when you come away from a game losing two one. But the fact of the matter is the the whole team put in such a good positive performance, and it's what we constantly ask for. We don't. Sometimes we do care about results, but sometimes you don't care about results and you just want to see the team put in a good effort. And this I think it, saw that. I think it's one of those really special moments in the season where the, the, the crowd in the ground are totally absorbed and completely elevated by the effort the players are putting in. And, and another shout-out should be made of how incredible the atmosphere was in that game. The, oh, the, the, that was man. that was very non-Fulhamish. Yeah. Um, they were unbelievable, and I think the players were loving it, and actually it was really carrying them to greater heights. And it was, you know, I, I, you, could, you could just sense how proud the whole ground was of our players. It was totally, yeah. totally clear. And, and uh, a comment really good, here from really good Black, see. White and Fred as well on the live stream just saying, saw City fans even saying Fulham and Newcastle are the best teams they've played all season. And, and look, across the two games we played against Man City to have gone down 2-1 in both of those games and, and given Man City a really good fight and potentially 
being able to come away with points. There's not many teams that can say they put up two really good performances against the team that's probably going to go on and win the whole thing. So we, we should take a lot of pride from that. And I think Fulham fans hopefully will take a lot of pride from that and, and keep backing the team. If, if, if they're putting in performances like that, this team will get backed constantly. Uh, another one here from at Tom Rogers 24 on Twitter. Yep. Uh, don't think anyone had a particularly bad game against a billion dollar squad and without two of our most important attacking players can't fault the team really. Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. Again, like we, we, we're basically treading, treading the boards all over again. This, this is a serious team we came up against and we did not look out of our depth. Uh, and I think I saw a stat saying that Fulham's squad is worth the is the second lowest valued squad in the in the Premier League this season, and Man City's is by far and away the highest rated. I think Chelsea just behind them purely on the number sheer volume of players they've got. Um, but to put in a performance like that with the squad we've got and with the injuries that we have and had during the game, uh, I think. No one had a bad performance, and it's it's just positive to to be able to say that afterwards. Um, a tweet here from Sonia Twig, who covers Fulham uh, at Twig Sonia on Twitter. Uh, and I think this is her full time uh, tweet. Um, all credit to Fulham for pushing Manchester City all the way until the end. It could be it it could have been different had some fifty fifty decisions gone the other way. Fulham two. Manchester City won. Yeah, there were a handful of 50-50s that, like like, like Sonia says, on another day, that turns into a draw. I, I wouldn't push as far as saying a Fulham win, but uh, I think a little bit of luck falling on our side, and that sort of is a bit of an answer to the earlier question about what do we need to do to beat these bigger sides. I think you just need luck on your side. When you obviously second best, because Man City have all the talent in the world available to them, you do just need a little bit of luck to actually get the wins. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't have that today. And uh, hopefully going into next season, we do have things just go our way a little bit and, and get some wins against these bigger sides. Um, another one here from at Ahmed Shubal, who is covering Fulham now for The Athletic. This clearly isn't a team on the beach. The way they fought, even after that early sucker punch of a penalty, showed that. It can be easy to get demoralised versus City when they're popping passes about at will. But Fulham stuck stuck in uh, and gave a good account of themselves. Yep, I think that's uh, perfectly fair. And look, it was something that Marco Silva got quite animated about uh, during the week in one of his press conferences where... He, he sort of lashed out a bit and, and really pushed back at the thought that Fulham were on the beach effectively uh, and really wanted to make it very known that Fulham were not on the beach and Fulham were pushing to finish as high as possible, which I think is why we haven't seen some of the youth players uh, make appearances because he, he genuinely seems to be wanting to push his team as far as they can possibly go. The only reason now I think we might see some rotation and some of those youth prospects come through is purely because of the injuries we've got and the fact that now we, we're just having the pack pull away from us a little bit. And I think if we do lose against Liverpool, it's it's possible that it's it's a little bit too much for us to pick up 
potentially eight points to to then get back into any kind of race with four games to go. Um, final tweet here. This is a good one from at Lewis FFC, who is a prolific Fulham tweeter. So there's for for those not following live, there's um, four pictures on the screen here: a wallet, phone, keys, and a kind of chest shot of Erlin Haaland. And it says Tosin Adrabaya emptying his pockets after the City game, which is quite amusing. Uh, obviously, a, a reference to um, to having um, <clears throat> Harlan in his pocket all day, which I think is quite quite nice. I loved you explaining that joke. That was great. <laughs> and and to be fair, to be fair, he did have Harlan in his pocket for most of the game. I have to say that. You know, Tosin is someone who's come under a bit of scrutiny on this podcast and across multiple other podcasts as well for, for not quite being at the right level. But this season, he's definitely proved himself to be a Premier League defender. And his performance against Haaland, a couple of those times, the ball came over the top and he hooked a couple away out of midair. Um, he was always in the right position. He was always moving around and following Haaland and getting his head to the ball. I, I thought Tosin had a really good game and has, to be fair, had a really good sort of month or so or however long it's been since he's been in the side. He's really impressed and uh, I'm hoping hoping that he continues to do so and, and he does sign a new contract and we get him for a bit longer as well because he is a class player. Um, um, <laughs> just, just to qualify that, you know, I, I've never thought that Tosin was not good enough I uh. always thought, like that pass, like that pass, <laughs> that like that pass to uh, Harry Wilson, which uh, is the first in that sequence of play that ends up with the Alvarez goal. Like my um, my previous reference to the Boris Becker um, program I watched, Excellent. Boris Becker's manager, he said, Boris Becker is one of those play those people who's constantly poking his finger in the fire just to see what it's like. And whether he's going to get burnt, just stimming, and you know, I think feel like Tosin with some of his passes can be a bit like that. He does it, you know, over ambitiously, but he's he's he. I don't want to speak badly of him because he he's had an absolutely outstanding month, and to keep Harlan quiet is, you know, exceptional. You have you have put the truck in reverse there, Dad, and all the gears are crunching as you're trying to back out of that one, but. No, I, no. I I I want to hear about <laughs> Boris Becker at any given moment in this podcast. At any no, I need moment. to keep these guys and on track. You guys are uh, shocked. Steve. Okay, <laughs> Eurovision. Um, I I'd say I'd say there's an opportunity at any like just just like Liverpool game coming up. There's an opportunity there. Okay, and, uh, Sammy, back on track, buddy. Back on track. We need to wrap this one up. And Sammy, for once, you've decided <laughs> and come into this one with uh, something cottage cheese today. What have we got? Do you know what? I've actually have been a little bit more prepared because Dad, um, the last time he did cottage cheese, he came with a bio and like a spiel, and I remembered when I used to do that. So Tony Khan, the megalomaniac, the insane boy, the guy who has all the money, he's felt, you know what? I'm just going to buy, um, actually, I guess he already owns Fulham TV. This, I'm not sure if this works. He's going to buy Fox. How about that? And uh, I've been particularly inspired recently by watching Welcome to Wrexham and like um, the trailer for Next Goal Wins. So in this scenario, Tony Khan, he needs content. He needs to do stuff. So he's doing biopics and documentaries 
are galore. So you just need to decide which player gets either the movie or like the biopic or the documentary. You just tell me the player and what you would what what would be the better story of a documentary or a movie for them. All right, okay. So we're going to start off with Solomon or Burt Leno. Who's got the better movie? Who's got the better biopic? Points if you can tell me if it's a movie or if it's a documentary. I thought you said you were prepared today, Sam. That's, I mean, as much as I ever will be. I'm, I'm, I'm confused, but um, I think I think um, Solomon surely, uh, with his recent history, has got an incredible biopic and a, an amazing story to tell. Has he not? I think yeah. so, but I, I do like I do like Bert Leno's kind of uh, you threw me out. And I'm still just as strong as I ever was. I think that's a nice narrative. And uh, I, I'm going, I agree there. It sounds think, like he's first uh, hit single. I think, yeah. I was going to say it's a Kelly Clarkson one, isn't it? Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's, that's Solomon for me. Uh, he's, he, his whole career so far is a bit of a story. So I think it, it, it bodes well. I mean, I'm going to say um, Bert Leonard just because I want to see him do whatever kills him makes you stronger. Um, uh, Tosin or Andreas Pereira? Who's got the best story? Um, Pereira? I think, yeah. I'd say Pereira. Just maybe a bit of Brazilian flair somewhere in the story just to spice it up a bit. He just goes to Carnival. Can't you see like a gritty biopic of Tosin being like continuously undermined by Elton and then just comes through and just changes his opinions and stuff? That's an underdog story. Not at all. Um, I think Pereira's story is a great one. You know, like I think you you ran through the the sort of thumbnail of it, Sam, or was it Jack, by saying, you know, goes to Man United, isn't well-respected, goes back to Brazil, tries to resurrect his career, doesn't really happen, comes to Fulham, and uh, is a high achiever. Um, that's, that's a good goal. story. Plot of goal, isn't it? Or goal two? The goal seven, probably. Uh, Harry Wilson <laughs> or Mitrovic? Uh, Mitro. Oh, yeah, Mitro. He gets Harry Wilson, but I can't imagine he's the most... He's got the most interesting backstory. Small Welsh village, not much more, I wouldn't have thought. Mitre comes from Yeah, There's got to be some weird stuff going on there. I mean, Harry Wilson's redemption story is the story. And, uh, like, like, he's not the most interesting character, but I feel that the story carries him through. It's a bit like how Harry Potter is a bit boring. But it's like a redemption story where you've got, yeah, like 95 minutes of nothing and in a two-minute redemption arc at the very end i mean that's that's so many movies i feel like it's very yeah. hard to criticize that it's all about the way you write yeah. these things M- metro is a misunderstood bad boy who's actually a, a, you know, a cuddly little teddy bear in real life well, he's, I'm, he's, I'm just i'm just saying guys reservoir dogs was basically just filmed at ron room anyway uh william or tim reen coming from Kansas or Missouri or wherever he's from, Tim Reen. I think times. it's it's that that old sports movie, you know, where the the old guy is way past it and his knees are giving way and everyone thinks he can't do it and all of a sudden he comes out and has the best season ever and then finishes with a big leap and his arm up in the air 
Oh, and and, this, and it's a still shot and the screen fades to black. I it's, love the idea of Tim Ream's film being done by John Hughes. That sounds great. What about what about William? He's had a, a very dramatic kind Make of case, life, Make has he case. not? Yeah, yeah so, I, I you totally know, agree. I mean, absolute champion, played at the highest of high, you know, won every piece of silverware imaginable at Chelsea, a little bit of a blip blip at Arsenal and then goes back to uh uh Brazil and uh gets wouldn't call know, it a tough life again. had a had a tough uh, life, a tough, tough life of millions his, and millions of dollars. He had he and his family had death threats, gentlemen. That is it, true. It's um, it's true. It's not obviously nothing to, to laugh at, but um I no, think he's had he's had the storied career so far where, you know, he's won I don't know if he's won the Champions League, but he's won Premier Leagues. He's won I think countless he trophies. Um, I, I'm not sure. It, it's just not quite the same as Tim Ream, who, you know, was playing at Bolton, and now he's a Premier League defender who Pep Pep's saying, you know, if he was 10 years younger, he would 100% be playing for Man City. It's, and- it's that's the That's the arc. <laughs> Again, it's a, it's a solid pitch. And finally, Vinicius or Paulinho. And in my mind, Vinicius's film has to be a comedy. Like, I can't see it being any other way than just being a comedy. Uh, I love Vinicius, but... Um, sorry, I, I, other way around, actually. I love Paulinho, but I'm not sure I'd want to watch a movie about him. Uh, I see the, you know, see Cabano's Snapchat fairly often and see... A lot of the stuff in the uh, on the Instagram of the guys in the change room, and everyone's wandering past Polina and giving him a little clip around the ear. He gets a bit bullied, I think, actually, which is kind of surprising <laughs> considering what he's like on the football pitch. Uh, I've but, got uh, on Instagram. Vinicius it's not that is is like uh, he's he's up there and about. He's constantly laughing and joking with guys, and I, I I reckon a movie about Vinicius would actually be quite hilarious. I agree, it's a bit of a Bit of a comedy, but um, I, I'd, I'd I'd watch that. Not sure it would win then, any awards, but I'd watch it. Oh yeah, no, I Korean, think you've, I think you've summed it up pretty well, actually. Uh, I think I think Xiao saves his talking for the pitch, and he he doesn't just talk; he screams. Um, and um, I, but I think I think Vinny's probably a infinitely more colourful character. Is probably. Got a few sorted tales to tell, and uh, and he's off in his downtime. Put it on your salad, your daily source of protein. That's your cottage cheese for the day. Is there much protein in cottage cheese? I don't actually well, know, but it feels it's, right. It's cheese. It's cheese. It's, cheese, it's, it? cheese. Like, it's, it's pretty it's low very, fat. It's very low in saturated fats, I'll give you. Yeah, I, yeah I've heard it's a healthier option. Very low yeah. Preparation uh, as well. I like um, uh, I like uh, Steve's comment, uh, Jack, at the bottom there. That's yeah, worth, three worth Stooges sharing. featuring Jack Grealish. The only <laughs> thing I'd say is I, I feel like we're the Three Stooges more than uh, more than anyone else. Yeah. Um, he's worth a hundred million. Yeah, well, I don't well, think we're quite there million. yet, but we're not far off. Um, guys, I think we can probably wrap it up there. It's been a bit of a long one, but like like always, there's a lot to talk about, and I think we've covered this game really well. A really positive performance from Fulham against, like I've said a few times, probably the best team that have ever graced the Premier League. Uh, we can hold our heads high. We can be very proud of 
the performance that the boys put in on the weekend. And look, I, I just hope we see a similar one when we come up against Liverpool. Obviously, we're going to be up against it a bit with four starters potentially missing. Uh, I don't know what the prognosis is with Willian. I, apparently, he was having a fitness test on either the Friday or Saturday. So it's possible he comes back into the side on the weekend. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Fulham decide to line up if they stick with Vinicius or if we make some more changes. But I, I think we can definitely walk away from this one with our heads held high despite the result and um, look forward to the rest of the season and, and hopefully to see Mitro come back because we're seeing players drop like flies and it's going to be good to see Mitro come back in a couple of games' time and hopefully lift a bit of, lift a few spirits, uh, although probably not Vinicius's because he loses his spot. <laughs> But anyway, guys, Sammy, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Nah, sincerely, thank you for having me. Um, these games are great to discuss. And, yeah, just really proud of the guys. They, des- they deserve all the praise in the world. I agree. And, Dad, thank you as well. Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. And I think I saw a tweet which said Mitrovic is available for selection in 13 days' time. Oh, 13 days. That cannot come soon enough. I think he's got to get through the Liverpool game and maybe one other. I can't remember. But it's it's just around the corner and these eight games, fortunately, have actually felt like they've gone quite quickly. Um, but let's, uh, let's keep positive and keep moving forward. And thank you again to everyone who's uh, got in contact with us recently, supported us. We've had a lot of new followers jump on board, which has been great. Um, we've seen we've recently passed 10,000 downloads for the podcast, which is something... I never thought we'd manage when we first started this and we were getting 10, 20 downloads an episode and thinking that was pretty cool that a couple of people were listening to us. And the fact is now we're uh, an established Fulham podcast with more than 50 episodes under our belt and thousands of listens. And we really do appreciate all the support that we get from everyone. Uh, really enjoy talking to people on Twitter and getting involved with the Fulham community and uh, continue to do so for the rest of the season. We've also got some really interesting stuff ahead in the off-season as well. We're going to be linking up, hopefully, with a couple of the other podcasts and uh, putting together something pretty special for the post-season. So do keep an eye out because we'll make an announcement on that in the coming weeks before the season is, is out. But for today's episode, thank you, everyone, for listening along. And come on, you whites. <laughs>